you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Down the stretch we come on Tapeheads. Welcome to another week to break down the NFL with Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. I'm Bob Wischusen. It seems like we have every now single week as we head down the stretch of this NFL regular season. Balance of power shifting games in the National Football League. And guys, let's start with one that I think might have been to kick off the week as big of a kind of shifting of the balance of power in the AFC as we've seen recently and that is the Colts and the Patriots and Frank Reich he might have the MVPs handed the ball off to every week here's what he said after the win what what my takeaway is man I'm fired up about it like I'm so happy about it you know great defense and a great run game uh you know the time that we've been here I'm not worried about being dynamic in the passing game I have zero worries about uh the passing production today so um I I We've proven that over four years that we can be dynamic in the pass game. But what we need to prove is that we can win games like this with great defense and running the football. And without that kind of a running game, I mean, why would you need to lean on Carson Wentz maybe more in your passing game when you've got that offensive line blocking for that running back? Dan, I know you talked about you think that this might be the National Football League MVP toting the rock every week for Indianapolis. Their run game has been unbelievable. Yeah, I believe that Jonathan Taylor is the MVP, and I think their offensive line should be in the conversation for one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. They also played this game without their starting center, Ryan Kelly, who, you know, thoughts and prayers to him and his family. But I think that the real fascinating aspect offensively with Indy in this game was how much they decided, okay, we're going to play in that 13 personnel grouping, one back, three tight ends, and we are going to run the football at New England. And... New England just was unable to, you know, when when they got into that big personnel grouping, New England was unable to ever dent the line of scrimmage. Um, it was a really good job by Frank Reich of staying disciplined within that run game. Um, and they kept getting four-yard chunk, six-yard chunk, seven-yard chunk, four-yard chunk. And when New England kind of kept playing with their, you know, I really thought a big play in the game was early on, they got into that 13 personnel grouping and they ran that jet sweep to Doolin 
and New England was in their base grouping, four defensive backs on the field, and they got to the perimeter, and it, be, it came like a 40-yard chunk on the handoff. And I really felt that had a big impact on what New England was going to do because I think it scared them, you know, with the ability to kind of play with the speed on the perimeter in that formation and personnel for Indy, and that allowed that run game for Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line to really t- make some hay. I, I thought they ran the ball to 13, 10 times for 119 yards. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you know me, I, I'm not a math whiz, but that's over a first down a carry, you know? And so uh, that that was an impressive plan by Frank. And I honestly think that when Frank got that game to 14 nothing after the blocked punt, he thought to himself, they can't score 14 on us. Like, I, I really believe he believed that, that their defense is so good that they could not score 14 on him. And that's why he's, he said, we're going to ride this run game and make sure we don't do it. Because out of respect for New England's defense as well, I don't think they threw the ball much because of what the way the game was going, losing Michael Pittman and respect for New England's defense. Yeah, it, it was. it's funny you mentioned that, Dan. It's almost like it was a reversal of the old yep. Patriots-Colts uh, matchups when I was with the Patriots, right? We would get the ball, get a little bit of a lead, and try to run the ball and do anything we could to control the clock, keep Peyton Manning off the field, and keep the offense yeah. off the field. And and I'm not not even close to comparing Mac Jones to Peyton Manning. I'm just talking sure. about what they were trying to do in terms of control the ball, control the tempo, control the game, and they did. And that offensive line did a tremendous job. You know, the, the difference that they make or that it makes when Quentin Nelson is on the field and in the lineup for them. He just, he, the way he leads from an attitude standpoint, they've got tough guys. I mean, I get it. They, they're they tough. Glowinski is tough. Braden Smith's tough. But, but they just take on this completely different identity when Nelson yeah. is in the game. You know, and Dan, I love that you brought up the, the 13 personnel going with three tight ends because it's different but similar and reminiscent to the Browns at the beginning of the year. When they were going yep. with all of their three tight end offense, it just changes the game. And the Patriots are a good, tough defense, but it didn't matter. And and Jonathan Taylor, you know, he, he he's one of these backs who he runs – hard he runs tough but then he's got these a real skill set to match his speed you know he with speed quickness toughness um physicality he doesn't get knocked backwards and it was a true identity game i felt for um you know for the indianapolis colts you know but i'm not ready to you know i i always tap the brakes i don't want to say there's a complete shift of power it was one game it was one week but the colts definitely showed that they are in in the mix now yeah. it, it, on the flip side of that you know how much both of you guys know how much i love the running game and how i love to see a team to be more heavy in the run game than the pass game i will say this moving forward the run is going to be critical they do have to find a little bit more better balance with the passing game and perform yeah. better in the passing game. And, you know, Dan, I, I want to ask Dan about this, please, Bob. You know, I was watching the game and, um, you know, I watched the tape, but then I also watched the TV copy of the game. And one of the interesting things to me, and, and Dan, I think I texted you this in the middle of the game. Yeah, you did. I was fascinated because, again, in my life as a scout, and in general manager, part of what you're trained to do is not just to watch what's going on in the field during the game, the X's and the O's, the scheme. Yeah, you watch that. But where personnel people are supposed to watch it a little bit differently is to watch the sidelines between plays, to watch some of the other stuff going around, to watch behavior. 
And one of the things I saw that fascinated me was here was Carson Wentz, who was what? I think he was only five of 12 in the game. And multiple times during the course of the game, they showed him standing up, walking up and down the sideline, not in the back of the sideline, not in the back by the bench, but close to the sideline while the defense was on the field, not sitting down with his coaches going over, you know, looking at the surface. We used to say looking at the pictures, but looking at the stills in the video. And I was just fascinated by that because he was a, a quarterback that was struggling a little bit, yet he wasn't working on some of the things in game that I normally see quarterbacks do across the league. And again, I'm, I, you know, much of what I know is my background where quarterbacks never had a chance to do anything while the defense was on the field other than look at stills or the, the, the snapshots. So, Dan, what did you what did you do? You take anything from that at all? No, absolutely. I think it's a super interesting point. I'd say one, my first thought is that's this is one of those situations and we've got, I don't know, about a handful of them in the league, maybe a little bit more where, you know, the play caller is the head coach. And so that's a variable. Like oftentimes, you know, when your play caller is just your play caller, he can spend a lot more time in between series with you because he's not having to pay attention to the game and all that stuff. So I think that's one of just the realities of that situation. Two, I don't know their dynamic. I, you know, some players, right. well, they don't necessarily like doing that stuff in between. You know, <laughs> don't give me too much information, coach. You know, I also would say, you know, it's interesting, Scott, because I don't know how much they had planned to throw the ball. So it's you're, you're, you're sitting there going, is there much for us to look at? You know, is, because they threw the ball such, you know, such a little amount. So I agree. It's, it's an interesting thing, especially when the quarterback – wasn't playing good. Hey, let's let's sit down and really look o- look over this stuff to make sure if if I get to this, this is what we're thinking. Always trying to plan ahead. You know, I want to get back to something that Scott said though, because Scott, you used the word that when I was watching this game came to mind while I was watching the Colts, and you said the word identity. Right, like yeah. it seems like when you bring in Carson Wentz, you bring in this dynamic athlete, and you put him with Frank Reich, and. Can Frank Reich unlock the secret that is Carson Wentz? And can he keep him healthy? And can he keep him upright and get his head right and turn him back into what he was before he got hurt the first time in Philly, which was we thought he might be the MVP of the league then. He was one of the most dynamic performers at the position, lost his way, new scene change. He goes to Indianapolis with a guy that we all think is probably a pretty high on the list quarterback guru in Frank Reich. And in the first maybe half, third of the season at least, it seemed like they were still trying to have Carson Wentz be the focal point of the offense. But seasons are an evolutionary process sometimes for a team, right? So now, have we now arrived, if you're the Colts, at they have realized this is our identity. We don't need necessarily to unlock Carson Wentz. We've got this offensive line. We've got Jonathan Taylor. Three tight ends. This is how we play. Let's just go mall people. Is, is that their identity? Bob, here, here's what I think their identity is because it, it, it's what you were just talking about, what we were talking about earlier offensively. But when you look at their defense, and it, it's an interesting thing, right? Because of the years with the way when the Colts were a great team and they were dominant, they, it was talked about what they were defensively. Yeah, they were good, but they were fast and, you know, they, they played okay defense or they were good on defense. They weren't great on defense. But right now, 
they can run the ball and they can play defense. You know, and they're number one in the entire National Football League in terms of turnover differential. So they're they're causing fumbles, they're creating turnovers. But when they do, you know, you saw on the TV copy and you watch on the tape, they're causing turnovers and punching the ball out but the way that they're doing it differently than other teams a lot of teams are doing this they they drill and they try to punch the ball out and they're trying to do things but they don't do it at the expense of their tackling and have poor tackling they are tackling players and they're also causing fumbles and and that's not the case necessarily with every team the other thing that they got going on right there is again they are a complete reflection of their head coach they're tough They're smart and they're disciplined. They're tied for the second fewest number of penalties in the NFL. They only have 64 penalties this entire season, which is remarkable. So to me, Bob, we talk about identity. That's their identity. They're tough. They're smart. They play to their strengths and they're going to bring it. And to me, that's a different look than the old Colts. It's just a different. The old Colts were great. It's just a different look. So. I get a lot of attention for being, oh, Carson Wentz. Everyone thinks I'm like this Carson Wentz guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, you are. But I (laughs) – At least a little bit. Okay, so if I said to you (laughs) that there's one quarterback in the NFL who has less interceptions thrown than Carson Wentz, it's Aaron Rodgers. So we talk about you got to value the football and you can't give the ball away, and it's the number one determining factor, wins and losses. Carson Wentz, there's one starting quarterback in the NFL who has – Less interceptions thrown than Carson Wentz. There's got to be some form of a credit given to that. Amen. He's also ninth in, in, in touchdowns thrown. So it's it's not like he's this Charlie Checkdown type of player. He's top 15 in yards per t- You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm not sitting here pretending that Carson Wentz is Aaron Rodgers. Don't hate the checkdown, s- Dan. The checkdowns. <laughs> you, you know, I just – I don't understand why – it's. I think he is one of those polarizing players that people just wait for any single moment where we can jump on him and say, "See, he stinks." Instead of going, "Okay, like this is a guy that's played really good football this year." Is it a fair statement and/or question to say for them to get in over the next couple of weeks, and then if they get in for them to win, he is going to have to go to another level in their pass game? Absolutely. And is it fair to wonder if he can get back to that? Absolutely. I think he has proven this year he's back to being a good to really good quarterback. Does he have to prove to everybody that he can play great football on a consistent basis? Yes. But to say there's one starting quarterback who's thrown less interceptions, that's that's a relatively big deal. Yep. And just win. Just win, right? I mean, exactly your identity right. as a quarterback obviously can be changed. Just win. Right. Right. Go ahead, Scott. What are you going to say? No, I, I was just going to say, yeah, and it'd be clear. I'm not beating him up. And, and No, I know. And, yeah. and there's... You know, and, and that's, I think, part of the problem, Dan. I think you're you're hitting something here. People are either – players are either perceived as being great or they stink. And it's no not the truth. And it's not no fair doubt. and it's not accurate. Carson Wentz, again, you bring up that 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 point. And, and, and you know one of my favorite things, guys, is clean football. Yep. Carson Wentz plays clean football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a period of time where he made a couple of yeah, – a couple of boneheaded mistakes in a game. Sure. However – as we've said time and time again on this podcast, one play does not make who you are. One right. game does not give you the identity of what a team is. So, uh, yeah, Carson Wentz has played. Here's the big thing. He's not losing them football games, and that really matters. Right. Yep. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't stink either, by the way, contrary to what might have been <laughs> said over the weekend. But you know what? It was basically like the NFL's version of Haley's Comet passed by because Tom Brady got shut out. 
It was a tough game for the Bucks. And what will the next three weeks look like in Tampa, especially with those injuries? And how do they adjust now? The tape heads will break that down next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't know what you think, and this is natural, you know. But I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to Tape Heads. Bob Shusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. Try and crawl behind the X's and O's like you don't get on any other football podcast here with the Tape Heads. And this, to me, one of the most fascinating results of the NFL season. The New Orleans Saints doing to Tom Brady what no one ever does to Tom Brady. Brady to pass. Got pressure. Steps up. Now he gets away from it. Now he's got pressure again. Ball's loose. Ball's loose. Picked up by New Orleans. New Orleans has it. That Saints defense got after Tom Brady with the pass rush, created turnovers, shut out the Bucs, and also banged that Bucs offense up. And that, to me, is going to be, guys, as we forecast what the rest of this season could be with Tampa Bay, the most fascinating part of, you know, now with Godwin gone, obviously with the torn ACL, Evans gets hurt, Fournette gets hurt. We never know if Gronk is going to be able to stay in the lineup or maybe get knocked out. So let's talk about this game in a vacuum and what it was, maybe Scott, in a silo that this defense did to Tom Brady this week to shut them out, but also if we project forward what this Bucks team now looks like missing some of their weapons. Yeah, I think part of what the Saints have been able to do consistently against Brady in these the four games that they've played him since he's been there is, as we've talked about, the most important part of Brady's game is when he can establish a short and intermediate game. 
the Saints have done an incredible job of taking away the short and intermediate game and limiting him. In fact, they have the statistically they have the best record against Brady. You know, in terms of taking that away, they they, they just play it really well. However, to me, this became about an in-game injury situation, and you lose Godwin, you lose Evans, you lose Fournette. You lose production players, big-time production players, and Brady has always been very transparent and talked about how important players are to him. He never makes it all about himself when he has success. He makes it about the people around him and the job that they were doing. You lose Godwin. You lose Evans. You lose Fournette. Dan, I want you to speak about that this in a little while. When you go into a game and you game plan and you lose players in-game, it has a very different effect because it's now affecting what you plan to do. You know, I, I go back, the last time this happened to Brady that he was shut out was 2006, and I was with him. And our starting receivers at that point in time for that game, it was against Nick Saban and, and the Miami Dolphins. That's how long we're going back. The starting receivers were 35-year-old Troy Brown and Rache Caldwell. The backup receivers were Jabbar Gaffney and Doug Gabriel. That was the reason at the end of that season – that we went out and made the trade for Wes Welker and Randy Moss in the offseason. Brady is a fabulous quarterback. I, we, we, we've talked a million times about this. And he needs good players. Any good quarterback needs good players. And they got to a point where they lost, again, three of the most important production players. You know, we go back a couple of weeks ago, guys. We, we were talking about a month ago. Now, what do the Bucks need to do to sustain? And I talked about the whole idea of their roster build, and I was concerned about their roster build because of the age of the players. Yeah, they brought the band back together. Everyone's, ooh, here we go. And, and it was excited. But as we saw at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the season, some of those veteran players were out. Gronkowski was out. Richard Sherman, who they signed, he was out. Some of the older players were having issues. To me, what concerns me for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now is that they just lost some good young players and the combination of them going into this time of the year with older players where we know that it's tougher to stay healthy this time of year but now they're losing good young players it's going to be a real problem that they've got to overcome yeah it's the opposite of of last year for the Bucs they were technically by I guess numbers uh, the healthiest team in the NFL, and obviously this year they've dealt with it since week one with injuries to their whole football team. I- I'd say this in regards to the Saints um, and-, and their game and then their over- overall like philosophy against Tampa. Number one, the Saints are the team that attacks the right guard for Tampa's offense and has the people to do it. And, and I'm not trying to take a shot at Alex Kappa, the right guard for Tampa, but New Orleans knows that's the guy. Like That's the guy that they want to try and go after. And it's a challenge for Tampa, as great as their offensive line is, because it's not like New Orleans has one guy. You know, Onyemata and Cam Jordan and you know Davenport are really good rushers. So if you're going to get Kappa singled up, you got to pay attention to those other guys. So I think that was the first thing that stood out. The second thing was, you know, when New Orleans lines up and plays in their two-man structure on first down, where they're playing man coverage at the line of scrimmage with two high safeties deep, they're basically taking away both ways that Tampa will try to attack you in the pass game, short and deep, right? And so that that's the challenge. you got to run the ball against it, but they can hold up against the run. So 
I think the stars for Tampa being out showed. Um, there's multiple examples. I counted seven times where Brady has to hold the ball longer than three seconds because nobody is open. And that's after Chris, after Mike Evans, and after Fournette went out of the game. So no Fournette, no Chris, no Evans, no A.B. That's just hard. And, and when you've got a team that can and, and will play man coverage, you're, you're, that, that's going to be a big conversation. And then they had six drops. That's the most since Brady became their quarterback. Six drops. Four of them were by the, the Hall of Famer, Gronk. So the star that was left over, so to speak, he just didn't play good. Uh, do, we obviously know that's not going to happen again type of thing. So I think for moving forward because you know that's how that game panned out. Right. If they have to see New Orleans again, because the question is two, twofold. One, can anybody else in the NFC do that to Tampa? I don't think so. I think Dallas has the chance to rush them like that, but they don't have the man coverage people to do it. Rams? Uh, I don't No, Rams are a zone no. defense, and they don't have the, the man coverage cats on the back end either. I'm just thinking about the guys up front and how yeah. they can control the line yes. of scrimmage. They can, run, they can rush the passer in the same capacity as New Orleans, yes, but when you have the rush and the coverage to match tied together – that's when it's really challenging. And the Rams, you know, New Orleans can really go. Malcolm versus Gronk is a great matchup. They got three guys that can cover on the perimeter, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore as the lead guy, and then C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a dog as a nickel. So, like, they got multitudes of people, right? And so The good kind of dog. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I just don't think – um, I don't think anybody else can do that to them. I mean, so the, pa- Packers and Cardinals are the other two teams that you are most likely at some point going to face in that spot. If correct. you're the Bucks, when you get to the playoffs, Packers are a zone based team, and the Cardinals are a pressure based team, a blitz package based team. You know, so I, I just don't see anybody with the capability of doing that. Mainly because no one has that Malcolm Jenkins chess piece. Um, so the question is, if they see New Orleans, because New Orleans is still in the mix, right? They're still in the playoff hunt know what would have to change because the reality is four straight times in the regular season last year was turnovers that's why Tampa Bay beat them you know with Drew's turnovers four straight times in the regular season what would Tampa Bay have to do and I think the the big thing that I would see changed is I would put it upon Byron Leftwich, the play caller and play designer they are going to have to be willing to admit we are not good enough to line up and play well on offense against you with the way that we philosophically go about our games. We have to change, and that's okay. You know, you got to be willing to admit that. And I would see, and when you're getting this man, you got to get in more bunches and more stacks, and you got to get more crossing routes out of condensed formations to attack this man coverage. And I would put it upon Byron if they had to meet in the playoffs again. To, uh, you, they would need to see more of that. I only counted four times that they did that in this past game. So how much of it is schematic? How much of it is the weapons themselves? Like, are there is there a guy or two? Obviously, Godwin's off the board now. Torn ACL, he's gone. Yeah. So X him out. Is there a guy or two that they have to have to do what you want, that these are the guys that are just essential to Brady and the Bucks being able to play? Well, I, I think A.B. Is, is a huge piece. It's, it's part of the reason why, you know, they, they kept him through all this, just being <laughs> dead honest. Um, or at least in my opinion. I think A.B.'s the guy. But if we're talking about A.B., Fournette, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, who do I think is the most important person in the overall picture to their football team to be healthy? I think it's Leonard Fournette. I really do, out of those four guys. Um, I think Fournette has brought such a physical presence. I think Fournette has become such a trustworthy adversary for Tom. Also, and I would not have said this two or three months ago, blitz pickup. 
Leonard Fournette yeah. has taken upon it, it's a it's become a pride and personal thing for him, and that would be one of the big big things that I think if he wasn't there, that would be a major unit flaw. Yeah. Scott, you were talking about Leonard Fournette two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Well, it was part of it was because again, just knowing how Brady is, he doesn't want to back on the uh, on the field on third down that can't or isn't willing to pick up the blitz. Right. And it was the thing that tri- you know Fournette had to do it. And it was the thing that changed Kevin Falk's career. Kevin Falk was dynamic out of the backfield, caught the ball, was a complete mismatch against linebackers, but he couldn't or wouldn't pick up the blitz early in his career. And again, when you're playing with Brady, it's not like he he's not mean to you. He's just like, but hey, if you're not going to do it, you go over there while we're playing ball. Because if you're not going to do it, someone's going to get hurt and, and not just me. But I do want to go back to one other thing that Dan said that I thought um, was critical. Along with those players you mentioned, Dan, the player that has to step up that is critical is going to be Gronkowski. He cannot yeah. have a game like he had the other day. And it was a really weird – it was weird. It was drops. It was – his speed looks as though it's diminished pretty significantly um, over the last couple of weeks when you watch him on tape. And again, not that he's his speed has been dynamic, you know, at this point in his career, but it just looked a little bit slower. There were balls that were either overthrown or he underran. I don't know which the difference was. And they he and Brady never had yeah. that disconnect. So something right. just looked really off there. And you know, Brady's going to need that. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the, the importance of the short and sideways game and an intermediate game for Brady. You know, he, right now he's got a single season record in terms of 23 touchdowns and a passer rating of 124.6 on short passes. It's unheard of. And again, that's such an important part of his game. So Dan's nailing it when he's talking about Fournette. And then also the the, the presence of Gronk is going to be, yeah. you know, and him playing to the Gronk standard is going to be really important. Well, we've got games on seemingly every day and night of the week right now <laughs> in the NFL with COVID. So we're, uh, we're looking ahead as well to week 16. Niners, Titans. That is your matchup on Thursday night. Two teams seemingly headed in opposite directions. We're going to find out what the tape heads have seen with both of those teams next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We are back on Tapeheads. Bob Oshusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. Well, Thursday night football this week, a couple of teams that are very much in the playoff mix in both conferences, but feeling a lot different about each other based on where they're at right now because the Niners are rolling. They have won five of six. The Titans, they've lost three of four. They fell to the Steelers. Here's what Ryan Tannehill had to say after that loss. Yeah, we have to turn the page. You know, you have to uh, evaluate, you know, clean up the things that obviously need to get cleaned up, but then turn the page quickly, get your mind right, and uh, and flush this, and then, you know, start working to get your body right. You know, it's going to take a few days to physically get ready, start getting ready for, for the next game. Obviously, Thursday night games are, are tough and have been and always will be physically. So um, be able to, to mentally flush this, reset, and, uh, and come out firing on Thursday. Well, you want to turn the page. You want to flush the result. You want to execute. That's all well and good. But, guys, are we starting to see with Tennessee that, like in the last segment with the Bucks, we talked about the guy that they can't do without, right? For Tampa Bay to be what they are going to be on offense, they have to have player X. Both of you said Leonard Fournette. That's great. To me, there's probably no more obvious player anywhere in any team in the NFL that the team that he plays for can't be what that team wants to be than Derrick Henry and Tennessee. And they're not closing the door on the possibility that he could come back before the end of the regular season. It would be a remarkable recovery, I think, for Derrick Henry to come back and play football before this regular season is over. If that's not the case, though, can this Titans team, Scott, be the Titans, if they can't get Derrick Henry back on the field, is this any wins they have kind of smoke and mirrors without him? Uh, I think it is a little bit of smoke and mirrors without them. Now they've been able to survive, you know, right out of it. Uh, talking about right out of the the initial injury, they did a good job because Ryan Tannehill was doing a good job. They were, you know, okay in the receiving category. So they're, you know, they're also without AJ Brown. They, you know, you never know what Julio Jones is going to be or if he's going to show up or be able to play. So they, they're missing, you know, three of their best production players on offense. And Ryan Tannehill is a above average and sometimes good quarterback that plays solid football. And again, when you remove all of the, uh, a quarterback's top targets, top players, top production, it's going to be a problem for the quarterback because a couple things happen. The quarterback may try to play a little bit beyond their game. They may try to do a little bit more. They're pressing themselves, and that doesn't make them not smart. It just means that they're competitors, and they know that they've got to do things to win. And he's cognizant. You know, One thing about Ryan Tannehill that I love is his humility, and he understands how important his production players are to him. So uh, to me, the absence of Derrick Henry is huge. But then you tack on the absence of their number one and number two receivers, we've got an even bigger problem. Yeah, so I think it's all three. Uh, you know, like what made Tennessee 
offensively different than everybody in the NFL. 31 other teams was the size of their skill position guys. And I've said this before, Henry, Julio, and AJ Brown average six foot three, 235 pounds. That's with their scheme, with their philosophy of we are going to be a, a, a throw first, wear you out, play action, run game, play action football team. That was a big deal. And as those pieces have started to fall off, their offense becomes way more pedestrian because you can't philosophically be who you want to be with, without the size at the, the skill position. I look at the game against Pittsburgh and I go, well, they just quite literally gifted them the game. Uh, and I know that's a simplified philosophy, but on third down, when he throws a shallow cross to uh, Tracy McMath, he's not going to get the first down, but he's also not going to get the ball or give the ball to Pittsburgh at the 45 yard line because of a fluke fumble that pops up in the air, inter- interception technically that pops in the air, or Ryan Tannehill just going to the left on a handoff fake and fumbling the ball in his own territory. You know, so uh, that that is a massive part of how and why they lost that football game. I think the the overwhelming thing is this team, because of those three skill players, has to play in such a methodical and disciplined way that they are unafforded to make any form of a mistake. They don't create explosive plays anymore. They don't. They 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 are last in the league in explosive plays on offense, tied with the Houston Texans. That would hmm. not be the case if their three dudes were there. And so I think that's just this. This the reality is the strain. And I don't think, and Scott, you know this because this is how Coach Belichick used to challenge guys as a quarterback for a long time. The strain to have to play constantly clean football, play after play after play after play after play after play after play after, play, after drive after quarter is so taxing on not just the quarterback, but everybody, everybody. And I think that's what's what's happening with Tennessee. I think their defense and their front can keep them in it. But man, they miss those three guys in such a way. I I think all three of them, it's 33.3% their importance. And they've got back-to-back home games against two of the hottest teams of the league. Not only did they play uh, San Francisco, who's won five of their last six, but they play the Dolphins, who have won six in a row, in two weeks. Yeah. So th- this is a team right now that's holding on to the first place spot in their division. Having said that, though, that could change quickly over these next couple of weeks. And flipping over to the Niners, you know, we talked in the first segment about Carson Wentz and how he probably is not now the quote-unquote focal point of that offense any longer in Indianapolis, but at the same time is also not probably being given enough credit for how he's played the fact that the team is winning, the role he plays in that. Can we say the same about Jimmy Garoppolo? Because it does seem like that offense is finding the identity of their run game and their physicality, and they've been really good up front. But he's got 18 touchdowns, eight picks, 67% completions. He is very much, I think, in command of that offense. Yeah. Um, is he writing a well, new script for himself this year? He's playing a lot better over the course of the last month, so to speak. And I would say it's two reasons why. Um Listen, Jimmy's always been a good player. It's just, and Jimmy's not all that different in relation to a Carson Wentz like this. There are two or three plays a game where he makes a decision with the football and you go, dude, Jimmy, what the heck, man? Like what, 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 explain to me what the thought process was or what, what you saw. Um, I also think the health of George Kittle and Debo Samuel are huge. I think both those guys are two offensive player of the year conversation, but Jimmy G's played a lot better over the last month because he's made better decisions. He hasn't been as reckless and or, 
you know, sometimes when you play in this offense with Kyle Shanahan, I've said this about Kirk Cousins in the past, you get so confident that the play call is so dang good and you've run it eight times in practice and all eight times it's gutted a defense and you get the perfect defense that you just have such a trust. Yep, this is the one. And I'm just going to go through this play fake, put my foot in the ground and rip the ball that I ripped all week in practice because this is exactly the way Kyle saw it. And sometimes the defense just doesn't give you what you want. And that's what I say about Jimmy. Sometimes he assumes throws. So he's done a lot better job of confirming things rather than just assuming things. Uh, I also think that they have been more willing to push the ball to the perimeter in the past game for such a long time this, this season. It was just over the middle of the field. And you saw some play action throws where they flooded sides of the field in their pass game. And that's been a really, really big part. Jimmy's capable of it. I think it helps their offense because it doesn't allow teams to pack the paint, so to speak, pack the middle of the field. Um, so yeah, he's played a lot cleaner. I also think their front has started to rush more on defense, which has been a big deal for their defensive success. Yeah. You know, when I look at the Niners, you talk about uh, Jimmy G and and you talk about the play action, you talk about their ability to run. Here's the thing about Kyle Shanahan. Kyle is, he's always going to find a way to run the ball. And he's got what I believe to be a secret weapon on his offensive staff. Uh, the running back coach, Bobby Turner, I think I think we've talked about Bobby T on this podcast before, but if we haven't, I'm going to go into a long dissertation or monologue about Bobby <laughs> T. Bobby T was the running backs coach for Mike Shanahan in Denver, in Washington. And then when we went, uh, when Kyle came to Atlanta, I was there. He brought Bobby T as his running back coach. And Bobby T has had 26 different running backs rush for over 100 yards under his coaching. And if you look at his time in San Francisco alone, Matt Breida, Mostert, Carlos Hyde, Jeff Wilson, Michael Hasty, and now it's Elijah Mitchell. Now they're adding Debo Samuel <laughs> into this running game. Right. And, and, they are going to run the ball. I mean, right now, they are seventh in the NFL in terms of average rushing yards per game. And it's kind of happening quietly. So they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball well, which will play to Jimmy Garoppolo and allow him to do play action and do things off it. But to me, here's my biggest concern about the San Francisco 49ers, something that they have to clean up. Penalties continue to be a problem. They're last, dead last in the NFL in terms of penalty yard differential, meaning that they've given up a negative 204 yards in penalties than yards that they've acquired from opponents in games. And that's not sustainable. They're improving in some of the areas that are most important, the running game. They're a team to watch, but they've got to clean some of this nonsense up or it's going to come back and bite him. And it just seems so contrary and counter to, you know, again, I spent several years with Kyle and I watched him before. And, you know, that's not Kyle Shanahan football. It's something they're going to have to definitely clean up if they're going to make a run. Well, it's one of those litmus test games, right? I mean, we've got these two teams that are right in the middle of not just the playoff picture, but playoff seating potentially. And they start off this week on Thursday night. You can hit us up on social media. Join us again on Thursday. We've got our first official playoff team, a shocking effort from the Cardinals and another two-point conversion with the game on the line for the Ravens to talk about. Join us. Episode two this week will drop on Thursday of Tape Ed's. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 